Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. Sermons about Christ's ascension aren't common at Easter time. But what better way to celebrate Jesus' life than to know He's now in heaven on our behalf? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues to examine this often overlooked event and the joy it ought to produce in the lives of believers. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his special message, The Ascension of Jesus Christ. And thank you for joining us today. We are um, taking this time away to prepare our hearts for Easter. And uh, we began with a little bit of what's right after Easter, (laughs) 40 days after Easter, the ascension of Jesus Christ and what it means. And we'll come back with part two of that in just a moment. I hope that you are doing well and uh, recovering from all of the stress of the past year, looking forward to Easter, perhaps maybe being back in your own church for the first time and um, getting things back to what whatever normal is, that's what people are saying. During our preparation for this whole season, we've talked a lot about uh, the, the issues of stress and how to trust God and anxiety. And today we begin a month where after we finish with our Easter programming, we're going to talk about how to live with confidence in a chaotic world. And I'd like to offer you the book by that name as a resource for the month of April. This book is yours for the asking. It's been updated, and it's ready for you to use in your small groups, in your churches, in your own home, in your own life. And uh, it's a book about how to live with confidence in a chaotic world. We'll talk more about it later, but I just want to let you know when you send a gift to Turning Point of any size, simply ask for it. We will send you this brand new release uh, of the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in uncertain times. Well, we don't have a lot of time to talk about things like that on our daily radio program because most of the time is spent in teaching. So let's get at the teaching, shall we? This is part two of The Ascension of Jesus Christ. Annie Johnson Flint was a poet during the days that I was growing up, and she was my mother's favorite poet. And she actually wrote a little poem about what we're talking about. And here's how it goes. If the Christ who died had stopped at the cross, his work would have been incomplete. If the Christ that was buried had stayed in the tomb, he had only known defeat. But the way of the cross never stops at the cross. And the way of the tomb leads on to victorious grace in the heavenly place where the risen Lord has gone. 
The way of the cross leads all the way to heaven where the Savior who died on the cross sat down because he was finished. Let me just give you some good news here today. If you want to know God and you want to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, nothing needs to be done. First of all, you can't do anything to make that happen. The best thing you have to offer to God is not acceptable. We can't give him anything that he wants. We have nothing to offer him. And he's already done everything that needs to be done. So nothing has to happen for you to become a Christian except for you to receive what's already been accomplished. All you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say, Lord, thank you for doing it all. And I receive your gift as my personal possession. So... What's going on up in heaven and why is everything different? Jesus is seated up there because his work of redemption has been completed. Number two, his ascension exalts him as head over everything. He is in the control seat. Listen to Ephesians 1, 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion that every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all he is in charge of everything he went back to heaven and he sat down in the power seat in the control seat you say well pastor If he's in control, why are things so bad? He is in control in this sense. He has allowed personal human freedom. He has allowed Satan a little time in this world. But ultimately behind it all, he is in control and he is organizing and demonstrating the ultimate goal of the universe, which is in the heart of Almighty God. And while we look around at things that seem like they're totally out of control, they're not in the hand of God. They're in control. He knows where we're going. It's something like this. He's the captain of the ship. And the ship is going to arrive at the right harbor. There's a lot of stuff going on on the ship that we may not like. But the ultimate thing is the ship is going to get where it goes and where it belongs. I don't know about the rest of you. I take courage in that. There are days when I get up and listen to the news and I'm depressed before noon. Have you ever had that experience? Sometimes my wife turns on the TV early in the morning and Man, you don't even want to get out of bed. You want to pull the covers back up over your head and stay in bed all day long. And if you look at the world through the eyes of your own humanity, that will be your focus. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord Jesus went back to heaven and he's seated in the power seat and he's in control and you can count on it. When everything needs to happen, he'll be there. Amen. Thirdly, His ascension establishes his high priestly ministry. What is he doing now? Well, he's up in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He's celebrating the completion of his redemptive work. He's reigning and ruling over all the universe. But thirdly, he is exercising his high priestly ministry. Read with me Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. 
a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not them. Now in the Old Testament, if you were a follower of God in the Old Testament, you would have to relate to God through a priest. Aaron was a priest. They had Levites and priests throughout all of Israel. And one of the things you did, you would have to have a priest to help you as you related to Almighty God. And some of you say, well, I'm so glad I don't live in the Old Testament. I don't have to work through a priest. But you do. The difference is your priest is in heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he is exercising his high priestly ministry in your behalf. The Bible says he ministers in the heavenlies for us. We'll understand that better in a moment. Number four, his ascension empowers us with the Holy Spirit. I have been telling you this a little at a time as we have been talking about the life of Christ. But let me just review it for you so we're all on the same page. When Jesus was on this earth, the Holy Spirit did not indwell those who were his followers. The Holy Spirit, during the time Jesus was on the earth, selectively came upon people. He didn't indwell all those who were followers of Christ. That did not happen until the day of Pentecost. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus taught that the Holy Spirit could not come and live within the hearts of all believers until Jesus went back to heaven. When he went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit was released to come to the earth and become a part of everyone who was a follower of Christ. I have some news for you today that you might not be aware of. If you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is living within you. You may not be feeling like it today. You may not be sensitive to it today. But the Word of God says that if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is a part of who you are. That happened because Jesus went back to glory. You say, where is that? John 16 and verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The first thing that happened when Jesus reported back to heaven after his earthly ministry He stood before the Father and he said, mission accomplished, release the Holy Spirit to the earth. And the Holy Spirit has come to live within every one of us. We are a little bit nervous about the Holy Spirit as Baptists. But I want to tell you something, the Holy Spirit's not nervous about us. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He not only wants to indwell us, he wants to fill us and control us and use us. And there is no real ministry in the world today. I cannot preach in this pulpit and have any effect on anyone unless the Holy Spirit is empowering me not only to preach, but he is empowering you to hear and to understand. The Holy Spirit is in this book. The Holy Spirit is in the preacher's heart. And the Holy Spirit is in the heart of those who listen. There is no real spiritual ministry without the Holy Spirit. Thank God that when he went back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, who is another comforter like unto the comforter we had before he went back. So Jesus is busy. He has a lot going on. He finished his redemptive work. He made himself head over everything. He is established as our high priest in heaven and because he is there, the Holy Spirit is here. What difference does the ascension make? Well, it makes a lot of difference to Christ. But here's the good part of the message and I saved it till the last. It makes a lot of difference to us too. 
You know, here's the question. Why is my life different because of the ascension? Because Jesus went back to heaven. Why am I different? How am I different from the way I would be if that weren't true? Well, let me just give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, what is he doing in heaven? He is making intercession for us. The Bible says in Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You say, well, Dr. J, what's intercession? Intercession is prayer. You probably never heard this before in a pulpit, but did you know Jesus is praying for you? He is. One of the ministries Jesus has in heaven at the right hand of the Father is he is praying for you and he's praying for me. It's true. You say, are you sure? Well, let me help you with that. Here's a passage from the book of Luke. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Peter is his name, really. Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brothers. Wow. Now, I have to honestly, from what I can learn about Peter, he needed a lot of prayer, you know. I mean, the Lord probably spent more time praying for Peter than he did for some of the other disciples. But the illustration here is a dynamic one, that the Lord Jesus is praying for you and for me. He's interceding for us to the Father. When I was sick some years ago, I went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle and I asked that church, which is a tremendously praying church, to pray for me. And I couldn't think of anybody that I wanted to pray for me more than the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. But I'll tell you what, today if I had my choice, I'd choose Jesus first. I want him to be praying for me. You say, how does he pray for you? Well, did you know that Satan is on the attack And the Lord is praying and interceding for you. Does that strengthen your resolve? Does that make you realize that you're not out there all by yourself in whatever kind of environment you may be as you work? The Lord in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, is interceding in your behalf. Every once in a while, all of us who are Christians, we come face to face with the enemy. And the two kingdoms of our life come into conflict. And I want to tell you something. When you're on the edge and you could go the wrong way, there is someone in heaven who is praying for you. That Satan will not get control of your life and that you will be victorious. And when you are at that moment, claim the power of the praying Jesus and do the right thing. Because that is part of our arsenal as followers of Christ. The knowledge that we have that we're not in this battle alone. Sometimes the temptations are fierce and they're strong and we wonder, how am I ever supposed to stand up against all of that? Well, you're not supposed to do it in your own strength. Just remember this. In the moment of the fiercest attack, the Lord Jesus sees it and he's praying for you. Because Satan wants to sift you as wheat. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you. He's praying for you. Romans 8 says it this way. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is Christ who is also risen and who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. That's what's going on. What is Jesus doing in heaven? After he went up, what is he doing? He didn't quit. He didn't quit on you. He's in a position right now where he can do you more good than he could ever do when he was on this earth. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for you. Well, there's another thing you need to know about what he's doing. He's not only interceding for you, he's your advocate. It says in 1 John 2, 1 and 2, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, what in the world is an advocate? Well, an advocate is an attorney. Did you know that Jesus is your attorney? He's your lawyer. In England, you would call him your solicitor general. He stands for you in the presence of God against the enemy. You say, what do you mean against the enemy? Did you know that Satan accuses you before God? Oh, yes. You can read about it in the book of Job, but he does it today. He comes before God. For instance, let's suppose we're in heaven right now, and and we're in the heavenly courtroom, and, and Satan comes to God, and he says, God, you see Jeremiah down there? David Jeremiah, you know who I mean? The pastor of Shadow Mountain? Do you see what he just did? Did you hear what he just said? And Jesus stands before God and he says, My hands are pierced with nails that put me on the cross where I paid the penalty for all of David Jeremiah's sin, past, present, and future. And he stands before you, Almighty God, in I represent him in my crucified, risen, and glorified body. And there is nothing Satan can do about David Jeremiah. He belongs to me. Did you know that? He's our attorney. He represents us before God. I know I'm getting a little theological, but theology is good. Theology gets down into your heart and makes you understand things that you might not have understood before that ought to just fire you up. When you're going through the tough times this week and when Satan's accusing you before the Father, you know what he loves to do? This is what he's done to me over the years. You did something a long time ago that's already been forgiven, but he likes to bring it up. Did you know that? You're getting ready to go witness or you're getting ready to go preach, you're getting ready to go do something, and Satan will say, yeah, but Jeremiah, what about that? I mean, what are you doing here? What do you do? Call my attorney. Call my attorney. He's making intercession for us. He's our advocate. We already know some of this stuff because we've been talking about it. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. Did you know that? Building us a home. I've been telling you along the way that if it took seven days to build the whole earth and Jesus was the builder, he's been working on our home for over 2,000 years, way over 2,000 years. What do you think he's got going for us up there? going to be something to see, isn't it? Well, 
We're almost finished, class. Listen, we've talked about the reality of the ascension and the reassurance of it and the results of it. Last, let's talk about the response to it. How should we respond to this truth? Jesus is in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. He's our advocate. He's praying for us. What should be my response to the fact that I know that? Well, if you go back to the two passages we read at the beginning of this message, you'll discover there's two things that are for sure we ought to do. In the book of Luke, in the 24th chapter, it says, When they came back from the ascension, they were filled with joy and they were praising God in the temple every day. They got excited about the fact that Jesus was in heaven. They had seen the ascension. They had some knowledge of what was going to happen. And they were filled with joy and they worshipped. I want you sometime this week to take a moment and give thanks to Jesus for the ministry of his ascension. To thank Jesus for what he is doing for you because he has ascended to the Father. And worship him and be filled with joy. You know any hymns about the ascension? (laughs) Now, a lot written about that. We found one line in a hymn that we used to sing a long time ago. But we don't have to have a hymn to worship, do we? All we have to do is give praise to the Lord that up in heaven, he's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's in control of the whole world, even though we can't see it. They worshiped. Over in the book of Mark, it says something quite different. It says in the book of Mark that after they came back from... The ascension, it says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. You know, if you really understand that you have an advocate in heaven and that Jesus is praying for you and that he cares deeply about what you are and what you're doing and you're out and you're serving the Lord and you finally get a hold of this truth, the Bible says when they figured this out, when they understood what it was, they went everywhere preaching. They were telling everybody about the wonders of Jesus who not only lived for them and died for them and was buried for them and was resurrected for them but ascended for them and was even now at the right hand of the Father. And I'll tell you what, if that won't preach, nothing will preach. And they went out and preached it everywhere. Isn't it a shame that all of us in this room look back over our lives and we can't remember hardly anyone ever telling us about the ascended Lord? We know a lot about the crucifixion and the resurrection. We know a lot about the burial and the life and the ministry of Christ. But what better way could we put a capstone on our celebration of the life of Jesus than to be reminded that he still is working for us in heaven. And the throne in heaven is not empty. It's occupied. And when I'm facing the challenges in my life, I take incredible courage from the fact that I am not alone That my Lord is with me, and more than that, that he prays for me, and that he represents me before Almighty God. Some of you here today, you listen to all of this, and maybe in your heart you're thinking, could that all be true? Is that really true? Yeah, it's true. But the reality of it and the blessing of it is only really true for those who put their trust in Christ. If you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ, as I said to you earlier, whatever needed to be done for you to be a Christian has already been done. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his grace that he has saved us. All you need to do is just accept him and receive him. Jesus stands with eternal life in his hand stretched out to you 
And he's just waiting for you to reach out and take it. That's all you have to do. Say, I receive it, Lord. I take it. What you did for me, I believe it and I receive it. And when you do that, you become a Christian. And all of the book begins to make sense to you. And you can begin to learn and grow and walk with the Lord. If you've never done that, I want to challenge you to do it today. The gospel has been extended to you in this message. Here is the question. Will you receive it? Well, you know, that's the question I like to ask every day if I can. Because the most important thing for me is to tell everyone about Jesus Christ and how they can go to heaven by putting their trust in him. So if you happen to be one who has been struggling with this or maybe thinking about it, or maybe the Easter season has awakened some things in your life that uh, have been lying dormant for a while, this might be the day for you to receive Jesus Christ. Simply confess your sin. I know that's a hard thing for some people, but it's just a matter of saying, Lord, I know that I have failed you, that I have sinned against you, and I want to ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And I want to receive your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as my Savior. And uh, when you ask him to come and live within your life and, and to forgive your sin, give you eternal life, he does it. It's an amazing thing that happens in your heart when you make that decision. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the subject of Easter, and the subject tomorrow is, Does Easter Matter? It's from John chapter 11. I hope you'll be with us then. By the way, we have created some wonderful cards that go with each of the chapters in this new book and each of the messages you'll hear during the month of April. These cards give you the essence of what's in the chapter and key verses to go with each chapter. Uh, these are like cue cards. Um, these are like uh, the cards you used to get when you were studying for an exam um, because they give you the gist of what's in the chapter so you can recapture it quickly, not only for your own use, but to share it with others. These cards are absolutely free. You don't have to send anything. All you've got to do is ask for them. Please send me the cards on confidence and we'll send them to you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Have a great day. message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Is Turning Point making a difference in your life? Share your story by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and live with certainty in these uncertain times. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as Dr. Jeremiah concludes his series of special messages for Easter week right here on Turning Point. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org 
to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca.